Welcome to Grace Hour. You are listening to a word from the ministry of Pastor Elvis Ajiman. Today's message. Praise God. Luke chapter 15. Let me start from verse number 3. So he spoke a parable to them, saying, What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just person who needs no repentance. One more soul. Sometimes when we come into Christ and we are privileged to hear the word of God and somewhere, somehow the spirit of God convicts us and we give our lives to him. The greatest temptation we face is that we begin to think that we are the only interests of our Lord Jesus. And we begin to feel that the only place Jesus can be found is the church. And we begin to think and talk among ourselves that we are the most important. Yes, because we carry the spirit of God, we are the most important among more creation. But Jesus speaks of an important aspect of him that we do not emphasize. The Bible said, he said that which man among you having hundred of sheep and ninety-nine are with him but one gets missing. And he will not leave the 99 and go in search of that one. And he said that when he finds that one, he calls his friends and they rejoice over that sheep. And he said, likewise, when one sinner gives his life to Christ, the host of angels in heaven rejoices over the one sinner and not over the many righteous person. One sinner who gives his life to Christ gives Jesus more joy than 99 already righteous people. It happens to me that the heart of Jesus is in the church, but he still has one soul out there and he has his eyes in the world. Looking for one soul. The Bible said when he was speaking to the disciples, he told them that as the Father has sent me, go to John chapter 10, verse number 15. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. When the disciples and the multitudes who followed Jesus and believed in him were happy that they were the interests of Jesus and Jesus would speak parables to them and he would take care of them and he would heal them and empower them and anoint them. The Bible said he told them one day, there are other sheep I have. Peter, you are not my only sheep. John, you are not my only sheep. I have other sheep. I love them the way I love you. They don't speak in tongues. They don't know any scripture in the Bible. They don't even believe in me today. But I see them as my sheep. 
they might be prostitutes today. They might be armed robbers today. But I still call them my sheep. The search of Jesus doesn't end with the church. It didn't end the day you were saved. It didn't end the day I was saved. When we gather here and we want to draw the whole attention of Jesus to ourselves, he's busy looking out there for someone else. There are some people we give no honor to. There are some people we never think that their prayers Jesus will hear. There are some people we even reject their offerings. We don't care about them. We see them and we think they are going straight to hell. But the heart of Jesus is after them. And that sheep I have that I must bring. Can you imagine Jesus telling you that you are saved. But I have other sheep I must bring. The next question is that. How is the master going to bring? What are your strategies master? How did I get saved? And how will the other sheep you have? There are some people, we call them the children of God. Jesus calls them my children. We call them the children of Satan. We call them Belzebub. We call them witches. We call them wizards. We call them criminals. We call them corrupt. But Jesus said, they are my sheep that I must bring. When we are counting the members of Grace Mountain, we only know those who are physically with us here. But to Jesus... When he's counting the members of Grace Mountain, he mentions some names we have even never heard and met. Because in his spirit and in his heart, they must come. He must bring them. And the question is, how is he going to bring them? Then John chapter 15 verse 16 answers the question. He said, I have chosen you, you have not chosen me. That you will go out there and bear fruit. And if your fruit remains, then... You shall ask the father of anything and he will do it for you. Do you want to know Jesus Christ's automatic strategy to bring the other sheep is you. He said that I have chosen to bear that fruit. May you receive that grace. Now we are here for one purpose. What are the keys that I need for me to bear much fruit? How can I be an effective soul winner? How can I place myself in the plan of my Lord? There are some sheep out there that he must bring into the fold. How can I be a strategic agent and tool that he will use to bring them? Number one, be sanctified. Anybody can preach the gospel. Anybody can go out to decide to win a soul. But only few will have the power to affect their souls. Listen, it is not automatic to influence somebody. You must carry something to influence them. And what is the basis of our authority in soul winning? The first we must think of is to be sanctified. You cannot win a fellow prisoner. Every other ship Jesus has who is not in the fold is in the fold of the devil. And how can you deliver the captive of somebody who is already holding you captive. So Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse number 15, I do not pray that you should take them out of this world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is true. Somebody says, sanctify them. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself 
that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Jesus says that there is an evil one in the world. And as you have sent me into the world and I came to achieve my purpose, I am sending these ones also. I beg you, sanctify them with your word. Separate them with your word. Let them be distinct with your word. And the, the thing I like most is that because I sanctified myself for their sake. Jesus is saying that for me to be able to win them and make Peter a true disciple of God and make John a true disciple of God, I first separated myself from the world. I said no to sin. I said no to the devil. Why? Because you cannot win anyone from the person you have not overcome. She said, I separate myself. Listen, your message is as powerful as your lifestyle. Your prayer is as powerful as your lifestyle. Everything you do is as powerful as your lifestyle. What you cannot conquer, you cannot deliver anybody from it. So Jesus said, I have sanctified. I have separated myself. I have cleansed myself. I have made myself holy for their sake. Listen, if you want to be a true soul winner, cannot be messing up and still be asking, how can I win a soul? No, what you have not overcome, you cannot deliver anybody from it. We smoking Christians cannot save we smoking traditionalists. Alcohol addict Christians cannot save and win an alcohol addict Muslim. Why was it necessary for Jesus to be tempted of the devil 40 days and 40 nights? Because he was on a journey to save the world from the devil. And if you are truly going to save somebody from the devil, then you must prove that you can overcome him. So for 40 days and for 40 nights, God gave Jesus to the devil. Deal with him and if you can overcome, then you are qualified to die on the cross to save somebody else. I'm talking to people who are not ready to give up on certain lifestyles and are still out there trying to save some. The problem with soul winning in the church is that we are so powerless because of our lifestyle. Jesus said that because I want them to live a holy life, I have separated myself. I have sanctified myself for their sake. So I beg you, use your word to sanctify. Paul said that be you not of equally yoke with unbelievers. He said that of what yoke has Belial with Christ? It goes beyond what we think. How can an immoral Christian be running about and trying to win a soul? Win who? Where is your authority? Where is your influence? Where is your power? How can a lying Christian, how can a gossiping Christian, how can a Christian who has decided not to forgive the other deliver a soul? The same demon binding him is the same demon binding you. And how do you want to win him? It's not possible. The reason why we are not able to bear much fruit is that most of us confess our faith in Christ, but we are not yet sanctified through the word. You cannot be active in the things of darkness and still want to win the people of darkness. How is it possible? You go the same place they go. You dance to the same things they dance to. You eat the same thing they eat. You drink the same thing you drink. And you go back and say, let's go to church. Which church? 2 Peter chapter 2, verse number 19. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves. Somebody say slaves. Slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. You are promising liberty. Meanwhile, you are in bondage. Verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of this world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them 
and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning. 21. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true prophet. A dog returns to his own vomit and a soul having was to her wallowing in the mud. He said that it is better they never know Christ than to have known him and have departed. He said that some people are promising deliverance, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. You are preaching to somebody, don't steal. Meanwhile, you are stealing. You are already a slave trying to promise somebody liberty. Not until we are sanctified, beloved, we can never see the wave of revival, the old people The church will be full of people trying to call for miracles. And they come for miracles and they go. And we are not genuinely winning children for God. We are not making disciples for God. We are not turning people from darkness to light. What is the essence of church if people are not changing? What is the essence of everyday preaching when it's not bringing transformation to people's lives? And how can we draw this power of transformation through sanctification? You can never transform a world you have been conformed to. Do I still have a church here at all? You can hide and do the things you want to, but on the day of soul winning, you'll be exposed. We have had demons talk about pastors. Hallelujah. Second thing, be prayerful. I'm yet to find an effective prayerless soul winner. I'm yet to find one. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 7 verse number 24 and 25. But this man, because he continued ever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession. He's talking about Jesus our high priest and he's saying that Jesus is able to save even to the uttermost. He's able to save Indians. He's able to save Chinese. He's able to save Americans. He's able to save Australians. He's able to save Nigerians. He's able to save Togolese. Even Ghanaians. He's able to save us because he's making intercession. No prayer, no soul. It's as simple as that. No prayer, no soul. It is interesting that today's church is making disciples for pastors and not God. Today I'm talking about making disciples for God. Somebody coming from the world and totally changing and coming to love Jesus like never before. It doesn't come by playing. It comes by praying. Am I speaking to the church at all? It comes by praying. A soul you have never prayed for is likely you can never win. It is unfortunate that these Christians don't need your salvation. They need your money. Today's church don't need your holiness. They don't need your commitment to God. They don't need your service to God. They need your money. When he can get you to sow a seed he's gone. My beloved, some of us can't stand this foolishness. What is the essence of program after program and people's life are still the same. He is able to save to the uttermost, to the places where it's difficult to save people because he's ever making intercession. May you receive the spirit of intercession. May you receive the spirit of prayer in the name of Jesus. I'm looking for a time you go on your knees one hour, two hours and it's not about how you can make money but about how somebody you met can be saved. You cannot just preach to me and go back and eat chips and chicken. No, you are erring. Any soul you preach to that you ask his name, go back on your prayer closet, mention his name and tell the father, I have done my job, now do your job. 
The problem is that we don't provoke the father to do his job. Your job is to preach. Your preaching will not save. It is the anointing that will be released behind your preaching that will save. And that anointing must come by prayer. Prayer. He is able to save. The first person who prayed for your salvation was Jesus. Then the pastor preached. And today the pastor is taking the glory. He is ever making intercession. And the Holy Ghost is at work because of prayer. Today may you rise up in your closet of prayer. And begin to speak for the church. Pray for a soul. Call out the names of souls from darkness. In prayer. After 10 days in the upper room. Praying. Peter comes out. One sermon. And 3,000 people are saved. Who told you? The way the pastor looks is what will bring salvation. It will attract souls. It won't save them. My prophecies will attract souls. It won't save them. It is a prayer. We still have people moving from prophetic services and going back to their boyfriends to spend the night with them. After all year is poor, prophecies are declared. Their hometowns are mentioned. They still go back to their boyfriend. But there is a message that is born out of the womb of prayer. The person will leave the church, carry his uh, staff from her boyfriend's room, and leave and say, until you marry me, I'm not coming back. There is one sermon born out of prayer that the person will move from the church. We've had people listen to one sermon and they've gone back to confess how they are stolen from their masters and said, I won't steal again. We've had people listen to sermons that are born out of prayer and their eyes are open and they go out and they tell their friends, I will not smoke again. I will not drink alcohol again. Why? Because somebody prayed before preaching. Don't just carry your t-shirt and go out. I'm going to win a soul. Pray. A man of God once said, he said that I would rather teach 10 people how to pray and then just one how to preach. Because it's the prayer that saves. Not the grammar in the preach. Not the quoting of the scriptures. Not trying to know you can preach. Not the revelations. It is. Kenneth Hagin preached with one scripture for 60 years, yet his name still remains. Mark chapter 11, 23 and 24. The man preached with it for 60 years. The moment he steps on the altar, he'll tell you, I have no other scripture but this one. Let's preach it. And for 60 years, where there is no prayer, don't expect genuine salvation of souls. Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 12. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that were that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves and said unto them it is written my house shall be called the house of prayer but you have made it a den of thieves and the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed. Before Jesus went, business was going on. So what was happening in the church attracted his kind. The Bible said there were money changers. There were sellers of doves. Then Jesus walks into the temple and said, why have you turned my father's house into a den of thieves? Have you not read that it shall be called the house of prayer? And he makes a ship and shipped them out. And the last thing is when he changed the atmosphere from marketing to prayer the next thing is that and the blind and the lame entered the church and they were healed the right people that should God needs in the church were out there because the right thing were not done in the church the right thing were not done in the church so one man comes in and says that this is not the business of the church 
Selling is not the business of the church. Changing money is not the business of the church. Holding enterprise summit and business summit and relationship summit is not the business of the church. The business of the church is prayer. And the moment he turned the atmosphere and people began to pray in the church, the Bible said that the right people entered. We cannot afford to let them be in the nightclub. We cannot afford to let the bus continue to function. We cannot afford to let the occultic groups continue to function. We cannot afford to let the homosexual groups continue to fight. If the church remains the way we are, those groups and associations will function. But if we turn it to a place of prayer, if we turn it to a place where some serious people are seeking the face of the Lord, we will have homosexuals walking to church we will have robbers robbing to church. We will have prostitutes coming to church because it is the place where they can find solution. It is a place. It is a place. Jesus changed what is being done in the church and suddenly the congregation also changed. Some people give testimonies. I have a million dollar member in my church and so what? Jesus entered there and said the church is for the lame. Let the lame come, they will be healed. If prayer is going on, the blind will come, they will be healed. That is the essence of the church. Not where to show who is having the best car and who is having the best clothes and who give the highest offering. It is a place where the depressed can run upon the altar and they will suddenly be delivered. Where the possessed will come, where the sick will come. May this church receive this spirit. May this child of God in this place carry an anointing for prayer that the people that God truly need will be attracted to you. How can we make the house of God a place for businessmen? Just recently I heard that there is a man whose job is to build churches and hire pastors. He himself is not a pastor. He builds the church. He hires you the pastor. You preach and he manages the accounts. And they showed me some of his churches. We have entered the realm where secular event organizers organize gospel concerts and hire gospel musicians and they go and do concerts and the event organizers will sell their tickets and tickets have we gotten to that extent where people buy tickets to worship God how things have become if there is no prayer and Jesus went into the church and realized that everything is messed up because one element is taken ship businesses out and unnecessary things they are doing out begins prayer and suddenly, the blind is seeing, the lame is walking. I prophesy to somebody, as you enter into the realm of prayer, you will go out there and miracles will follow you. You will prophesy to people and it shall come to pass. You will lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. You will cast out devils. Your message will not be motivational messages. It will be transforming messages. You will go there and God will perform through you. It will not be by the wisdom of men, but it will be the demonstration of the power of God. I pray for this spirit of prayer. That you are praying and the reason is that a soul must be saved. We must walk some people out of the club to church. Not, not by trying to convince them, but by going on our knees. John Wesley prayed and prayed and prayed until he walked through a street. And after he walked past the street, the king of the city made a pronouncement that no alcohol should be sold here. And for hundred years, alcohol could not be sold. 
he asked Billy Graham, give us three secrets you have. He said, the number one is prayer. The number two is prayer. The number three is prayer. But we are talking about the greatest preacher on earth. And his three secrets. John Wesley said, it happens to me that God, it's not that he will not, but he cannot do anything on earth except someone prays. John Knox said, give me the land of Scotland or I die. And this man knelt on his knees. He prayed until a concrete broke. Where John Knox knelt to pray, when he died and they went there, the concrete has broken. His knee has cracked concrete. An idol worshipping Scotland. People were walking about and they will start giving their lives to Christ when nobody has preached to them. The problem is that we talk about prayer, we don't pray. We talk too much about prayer. If somebody tells, oh, brother, I will pray for you. The prayer is what he just told you, I will pray for you. That is the end. So we have a prayerless church trying to save the world. How can you do this job without God? How can you do this job without the Holy Ghost? How can you do this job without inviting God with you? Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem until you are empowered from above. Don't make a step until something has come on you. Why are you making a step without prayer? And they prayed for 10 days before something came upon them. And when it came upon them, they changed the whole city. I pray for you. May you receive a revival fire. May you pray until something comes upon your head to change your community, change your school, change your city. I am calling for a time where we will not preach but people will be walking on the street of Afankor and they lift up their hands and say there is a God now I believe there is a Jesus now I believe there is a Holy Ghost now I believe there is a tongues now I believe I believe that the sinner will go to hell I must change my ways because something is about to happen I believe and it will come when some Christians will stop talking, some Christians will stop trying to be fashionable and they go on their knees in prayer. When some Christians will stop Facebook and stop WhatsApp and go on their knees in prayer. Where some Christians will stop backbiting in the church, angry with pastor, angry with brother, so so and so, angry with sister, so so and so. And we come together and say that souls must be saved. It can only come when we are ready to pray. How bold are you to confront Satan without consulting God? There is a fierce battle around every soul you see. No soul is free. Any soul you decide to preach to, you are provoking the demon on his life. The Bible says the sons of Sceva tried it and the demons shaped them until they left naked. You are trying to save a soul without prayer. Sir, you are committing suicide. There is a fierce battle. Apostle Paul many times was about to die because of souls. Peter and the apostles were in prison several times because of souls. There is a fierce battle around souls, sir. Be prayerful. So Paul told Timothy, my son, you have now started. Don't be in haste to lay hands because it takes a lot to lay a hand. Because when you put your hands on somebody, it's either you possess him or he possess you. So don't try to lay hands. There are some spiritual things some of us try to do and it's dangerous. 
back today. My only advice is be prayerful. If you will never win a soul for Jesus, be prayerful. Otherwise, you will walk like a Jehovah Witness person through the sun and come back with nothing. Nothing. But when you step in the room, Hebo, Kaba, Ragagaga, Bagada. Lord, I do not ask of you for a car. I ask of you for a soul. I do not ask of you for a house. I ask of you for a soul. For what shall a man exchange for his soul? A soul is more valuable than the whole world. Put together. Give me a soul and I'm satisfied. And the Holy Ghost comes upon you. You step out and one word will save a soul. One day, God spoke to Rehad Bonki. I want to give you one million dollars. That time, Rehad Bonki has done a failed crusade. The first crusade he did, there was no money. So he was praying for money. That God give me money. Then in the middle of the road, God speaks to Rehad, my son, I want to give you one million dollars. Rehad Bonki says something came upon him. And in the middle of the road, he also shouted for everybody to hear, Lord, I don't need one million dollars. Give me one million souls. And he was the first person to do a crusade to record one million souls. One million souls. And when he was talking, he said that, but today, one person among that one million souls signs three million dollars for me. May you catch this revelation. May you cry for souls. May you pray for souls. May you desire for souls. The third thing is that have a sacrificial spirit. I can't go into the scriptures. Paul said that I am being sacrificed for your service and your faith. Philippians chapter 2 verse 17. In Acts chapter 4 verse 34. The Bible said and they sold all they had and brought it to the apostles' feet. And the apostles distributed. The spirit of sacrifice. May we catch this anointing in the name of Jesus. If you can pursue a soul and win a soul, you must do it under the spirit of sacrifice. That spirit, that doesn't make you tired so early. The spirit, that doesn't let you stop when you have not even started. Today, there are people who just became parishioners two years ago. And when they are talking, they say, I have sacrificed my life for two years. You have sacrificed your life. Because you were coming to rehearsals and coming to sing. Sundays, Fridays, because of that, you have wasted your life. Why are we so ashamed over nothing? Why are we discouraged over nothing? For the lack of the spirit of sacrifice. Many of us are retiring when God has not declared us. Many of us are giving ourselves accolades and rewards where God has not even seen what you have done. We lack the spirit of sacrifice to a point that the little we are given, we think we are giving the whole world. We are done. Oh, lighthouses. Oh, I started with them. Oh, if not me, they wouldn't have been able to. So God moved me to ICGC. And they too, I held the right hand of Dr. Utabel. And I'm the reason why the church is moving. But you know, um, some of us, we carry an apostolic grace and we don't stay at one place for a long time. So I moved to other, the other church and the pastor was not serious. So I moved away. The little you have done. Oh, Jesus. Total, the total even doesn't know you. Oh, I was a 
the chorister. This this church I've been singing in uh their their sound is not that good. I need to preserve my voice. So I moved to the other church. No spirit of sacrifice. We are too tired and we are too ashamed so quick. We are too discouraged. We are too offended to a point that we the little thing we become so angry with pastor. I'm not coming to church. Stay home. Stay home. There is a day somebody will ask you questions because of the little you have done. So an usher cannot talk to you anyhow. Pastor cannot handle you anyhow. No pastor can play around you. No, 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 no. Do you know my input in the church? Do you know what I'm capable of doing? If I leave, don't you know the church has collapsed? No spirit of sacrifice. A man with the spirit of sacrifice doesn't check his input. He doesn't even remember. He's thinking of what next to do. He gives money today. Tomorrow he's thinking of how much he can give again. He comes to sweep and he's ready to sweep every day. Sacrifice runs after a soul, wins a soul, and wants another one. The spirit of sacrifice. Why are we ashamed of a God who was not ashamed of us? Why are we tired to carry the cross? When somebody carried a higher one, he was not tired. When somebody never gave up. When Jesus didn't see the pain of the nails, we are feeling the pain of fasting. We are feeling the pain. The Bible says, what manner of love is this? It's that a, a, a man will give his life for his brethren. Somebody gave his life. You are giving offering, you are complaining. Jesus took the first step. He went naked and was not ashamed for us. Then it is now in our court. If you will be ashamed of him, he said that he has a second chance before the angels. Anybody who will be ashamed of him after this, he will also be ashamed of you before the angels. Why are you feeling you have done so well? The point, oh, this soul I brought him. That soul I brought her. Oh, my impact in the church is too much. And most of us, the little thing we are doing, we are calling for reward so early. God, if you don't bless me, I'll leave the church. God, if you don't do this for me, why are you playing games with this God? He's too big. The earth is his footstool. The heavens. This is true. It's a privilege to serve him. Who is man that thou art mindful of? The people who have seen him don't even understand why he came to visit us. The man is big. What you are doing for him is a privilege. Humble yourself. If you have to go hungry so that a soul will eat, it is not any big sacrifice. Nothing is too big to be sacrificed for God. Nothing. I got this revelation long time. One day somebody met me. I told me, Pastor, you gave me a shirt. Since 2010 till now, I have packaged the shirt up because I saw him minister. I was sitting told myself, a minister of God can never wear this shirt. Moment I closed, I called him. I said, I need took the best shirt I had, remove all my money, and said, This is all I have. And this is my best shirt. From today, hang that shirt. Take this one. And now God has blessed that person. And he said that that thing you did for me, the shirt you gave me, God has blessed me. I have a fashion studio. That shows close for me, just for me to minister. But that shirt you give me, I can never throw it away. It is my best clothes because you saved my life with that shirt. And I had forgotten the day he told me. Only God knows the sacrifices I've made. Only God knows. Those close to me, if you don't have a big heart, you cannot live with me when it comes to the things of God. You cannot live with me. 
because I have made God bigger than anything around my life. Last time I was, I was telling, I was telling some of the leaders that where I used to preach, I would pick a car to Dome Crossing, pick Dome Crossing to La Paz, sit in a car for about one or two hours because that place, the buses that went there took three hours or so to be loaded. Sit in a trotro for about one and a half hours to two hours to VRA. Then VRA walk in the dust to the place. And I was going down Tuesday, going down Thursday, going down Friday, going down Saturday, going down Sunday. I never thought that I was in pain. And I would go to church. And every day I get to church, somebody must clean my trousers because of the dust. What have you sacrificed? What do, where do you live that you think is far? Pastor, where I live is far. I can't come to church. Oh, I don't have money. Oh, my mother will not allow me. My father will not allow me. Where I'm living, my husband will not allow me. My wife is not allow me. On that day, your husband will not be there. Your wife will not be there. If there is anything to do with while you have breath, when the breath ceases, your, your husband will follow you to the grave and wave you. Go and meet him. Go and meet him yourself. Answer the questions. And when you meet God, Jesus told the power, the guy who entered the wedding room undressed. He said, when the master came and said, what are you doing here? The Bible said, the guy was speechless. Before God, eh, it is before your pastor you can give reasons. I have work. I didn't close early. And I don't have time. And I, I, I'm, I'm studying. And I don't know. It's only your pastor I can talk. On that day, when you meet the master, he will question you and your tongue will cleave to your mouth. Cannot even open your mouth to give God a reason. Finally, carry the sense of commitment, the sense of accountability. If you can win souls with all your heart at this dispensation, have the sense of accountability. Listen, there are some people God specifically brought your way or so forth so that you can save them. It is the lack of accountability that makes us pass by people. Whom we must be their sin. Because we are not even aware that God brought them for a purpose. And we fight them. We go to parties with them. We drink with them. And God is worried. People he brought for you to save. Today, you are arguing and fighting and competing with them. And sometimes when you are discussing football with people whose souls are at stake. And God knows the day they will die. And it's getting closer. That is why he brought them to you. And you are busily discussing women with them. And discussing football with them. And the angels of the Lord are beating their legs. And stamping their feet. And saying that who is this child of God? Who doesn't even know the times and the seasons that they find themselves are you being accountable for? Acts chapter 20 verse 28. The Bible says, for he has made us overseers of the flocks that we should feed them. Do you know? You, you point at only Pastor Elvis and say that Pastor Elvis is the general overseer of Grace Mountain. Yes, I might be the general overseer of Grace Mountain, but in the books of God, you are also a general overseer of a certain soul in your house who doesn't go to church, who doesn't know what Jesus is. God has made you a general overseer to take care of that flock. Sometimes it pains me. Why won't Elijah be tired? The Bible says, Elijah told God, I'm weary, I'm tired, I even want to die because I'm the only one left. God said, I have 7,000 more there who have not bowed to Baal or kissed Baal or have eaten of the table of Baal. And my question.
question is that if 7,000 anointed prophets and Christians and people who know God and God knew them were hiding, why won't that one Elijah be tired? How can you be so anointed and so holy that even God can testify that you have never bowed down to Baal and you have never sinned before him and yet Jezebel didn't know you. The prophets of Baal didn't know you. The children of Israel didn't know you. So of what importance were the anointing upon your life? And that is what we have today. God has anointed people who are not ready to minister. God has blessed people who are not ready to affect the world. God have, have downloaded wisdom into people who are not ready to hold the microphone. God has blessed and anointed people who are not ready to get involved in the administration of the church. God has blessed and overloaded people with money but they are not ready to help the finances of the church. God has blessed because they are pointing to one person and saying that Elijah can handle and 7,000 are hidden. There are people People in the choir who have been wearing clothes of the choir but have never stood here to minister. They are 7,000 people hiding and only one Elijah is facing the fire. And we have left all and we have left only pastor to call the souls. We have left only pastor to visit the souls and the rest are hiding in their suit and they are hiding out there and God knows that they are his and they know they are for God but they are not ready to stand before Jezebel. I pray a spirit of confidence will come upon you. A spirit of boldness will come upon you. Rise up. Don't leave the job to the pastor. Don't leave the job to the ushers. Don't leave the job to the singers. We pray for a day. Somebody will walk out and say that in my bedroom I can sing to touch the hearts of people. When I'm bathing I can sing to touch the heart of people. I'm ready to join the choir. I'm ready to help. Man of God, I can pray. Please put me into the prayer team. Man of God, I can evangelize. Put me into the evangelism team. I'm ready to help the church. I have this money somewhere. I want to bring you to the church. Finish the building. I have a help somewhere. I want to give. I want to support. We are calling out the 7,000 people to come out and join Elijah and make sure the work of God is done. We don't need them to be hiding and boasting that they have never worshipped Baal. We need them to come out and face Baal and face face the world and preach to the homosexuals and preach to the prostitutes and stand and say that there is a God who can save them we won't leave the prayer to Papa Roll again, we won't leave the road and the ministerial work to Pastor Paul and Pastor Kojo and Pastor Jeff and Pastor Ken and we are looking out for them to do the only work but we will rise up and say what else can I do I cannot hide anymore I cannot be hidden anymore I cannot call myself a child of God who is doing nothing, the the problem is that sometimes those who carry the solution are in the hideout. The Bible said and whilst the billows was hitting the ship and the ship wanted to collapse, the one with the solution was sleeping. Jesus was at the corner sleeping and Peter went there and said Master, will you let us die? That was when Jesus rose up and commanded the wind and the wind was made still. The Bible said in the time of Jonah, the people were busy trying to prevent the water from entering the ship and they were crying out we need help we need help what can be done and the Bible said they went in in search of one Jonah and Jonah was asleep why are the solution carriers asleep why are those who can push the 
kingdom asleep. Why are those who can help us having fold their arms as if nothing is happening? Why are those God has anointed? Why are the Jesus? Where are the Jonas? Where are those who can speak to the wind for the wind to be still? Where are those who will step out of the boat and peace will come? Where are those who will stand and say, I have this blessing I want to give to the church. The church is struggling. There are empty chairs. I can do that. I can do this. Where are those who will say, let the church go to the radio and preach to the people and let many be saved. Where are those who will say, I will sponsor the breakfast of people. I will sponsor the fuel of the car to make sure souls are brought. I pray for the church to receive the spirit of accountability, the spirit of commitment, the spirit that will let them rise. We cannot be there and watch the work of God undone. We cannot be there and see the work of God undone. I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray. Let the people rise up. Let the people rise up. Arise for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen. What are you waiting for? There's an anointing in you. There's a power in you. There's a grace in you. You are waiting for yourself. You are not waiting for any other thing. You are waiting for yourself. Thank you for listening to Pastor Elvis Ajeman. Pastor Elvis is a dynamic teacher of the Word of God. He is an author, a passionate preacher of God's Word, with a desire of transforming lives in the power of the Spirit. His ministry is characterized by a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost, with accompanying signs, wonders and uncommon miracles. He's the head pastor of Grace Mountain Ministry, located at Seven Days Junction, off the Achimota of Angkor Barrier, Accra. You can follow the ministry of Pastor Elvis Ajiman on any of his social media handles at Pastor Ajiman Elvis or Grace Mountain Ministries. Or you can call us on 0552-504-085 or 0548-003-360. God richly bless you.